Hello and welcome to Culture Sex Relationships with me, Justin Hancock. Um, this episode is brought to you by my wonderful patrons. Uh, so patreon.com forward slash culture sex relationships. They help me make the show, they help pay me a little bit to make the show and also enable me to pay any freelance guests who come on the show. Um, they get episodes uh, in advance, they get different introductions where I thank them for them coming, for them paying for me to do the show. And also, um, they just want to see the show in the world and to help uh, pay for it to happen. So if that sounds something like you might want to do, um, then head over to patreon.com forward slash culture sex relationships and give me a quid a month for the show. If everybody did that who listens to the show, it would be a job uh, and I'd be able to make more shows. Uh, okay, so today's episode is an interview episode with um, Jacob Johansson and uh, Bonnie Rambatan about their amazing book, Event Horizon, Sexuality, Politics, Online Culture and the Limits of Capitalism. Basically, if you have the level of interest in uh, in culture sex relationships to listen to this podcast on a regular basis, you should buy this book. So just go buy this book. It's by zero books. It's about 11 quid. It's really good. Uh, here is the blurb for the book. When our desires become the product of tech giants, what ways are there left for us to dream? In an age where Silicon Valley dictates what it means to innovate, a painless future, knowledge and enjoyment are fertile breeding grounds for political contestation. But it's not exactly democracy. We are controlled through platforms that turn us into data for the profits of billionaires. Control has become so playful that we carry it in our pockets as we continue to crave likes and followers. What is to be done? Should the left continue to cling to the promise of a political event, patiently waiting for a revolutionary rupture where new possibilities emerge? Is there a way to delineate its horizons amidst the chaos? Through a psychoanalytic interrogation of the intersections of online culture, sexuality and politics, Bonnie Rambertan and Jacob Johansson explore such horizons at the limits of capitalism. Event Horizon examines how capitalist ideology functions in our current moment and, more importantly, how it breaks down. With the increasing urgency of formulating a proper leftist response to the rapidly growing violence that seriously threatens the lives of marginalised communities. This book could not be more timely. I split the show up into two episodes. The first half is a general overview of the book and some of the problems it seeks to address. An introduction to Lacan, Jacques Lacan, and why it's his analysis in particular which is so relevant for the present day. An explanation of Lacan's discourses, particularly the fifth discourse of capitalism, which is extremely interesting. How the master signifier is now the database which undergirds platform capitalism. We explain what those things mean in the show. The role of conspiracy and its relationship to capitalism and the discourses. How trolling is an essential part of this conspiracy thinking. The jouissance of this, again, we explain that term. The jouissance of this being an excess which capital can profit from. So as you can see, uh, already it's going to be a really rich, interesting conversation. Do buy the book. Second part will come out next week. Obviously, also, this was recorded before uh, Russia's incursion, war, violence in uh, Ukraine. It's not as if I would cover that on this podcast anyway, but anyway. Um, just so you know, it was recorded a couple of weeks ago. Right, okay, on to the show, and please do consider supporting the Patreon. Bye. So, um, welcome back to the podcast, Jacob. Thank you. And welcome to the podcast for the first time, Bonnie. Thank you so much for coming on. Hi, thank you for having me. If 
can is it possible for you to kind of give us like a like an elevator pitch for 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 what's going on in the book it's so it's so the subtitle subtitle is sexuality politics online culture and the limits of capitalism is it possible to give us like a you know 30 seconds in an elevator this is what the book is about what we are doing in the book or why we also wanted to write the book is to um sort of provide <clears throat> excuse me provide a sort of diagnosis or um, analysis, you know, as you say, of the present moment, really, um, and how specifically there is a kind of particular sort of atmosphere or, or, or um, dynamic on the internet and on, you know, social media in particular, um, that's driven by certain, you know, political developments, such as, you know, Trumpism and the old right and, and so on. But um, I think we are sort of saying, if we want to understand, you know, those kind of political developments, how they translate themselves or how they articulate themselves on the internet, we need to look at sexuality. So we can't understand um, the present moment and kind of present questions and, and, you know, different things that are going on without sort of interrogating sexuality, mm. uh, interrogating the visual and also the sort of visual character and the language that's used online. And one way, or we think the best way of doing that is through Lacanian psychoanalysis. Mm. Yeah, so the basic, um, as a Lacanian, I would say that there's nothing natural about desire, right? So it's always something that we learn, something, you know, something that we not only learn how what we should desire, but also how to desire. And so there are structures that influence us, influence our desires. So that's what we try to question here. Mm -hmm. So there's a there's a one of the great pitches of of the book uh, is that when our desires become the product of tech giants, mm -hmm. what ways are they for us to dream, right? So essentially here we are questioning the relationship of the desires that we have and that we exhibit online. Where do they actually come from? Right. And what kind of algorithms animate those desires? And then once we find out through, through you know, critical interrogation and stuff like that, that these are actually the products of algorithms made by uh, Silicon Valley tech giants and, mm -hmm. and all of that. And then the question becomes like, how do we, how can we come up with alternatives to, to capitalism? Yeah. You know, because it's easy to imagine the future. Again, it's easy to imagine uh, certain kinds of future based on what we have today. But then to imagine a future where capitalism isn't there anymore or the way that we relate to one another, the way that we relate to uh, information data, for example, mm. um, the ownership of all of that, but how, how do we... How do we go about that right so yeah. we're here we, we are writing the book to actually uh, try to interrogate and possibly give give pointers as to how we could dream differently we could think of the future in a different way like the forces that animate our everything about our desires in the present day and in, in social media and in, in sexuality and in, in mm -hmm. politics and all of these things like where did they come from who who like yeah, you know, uh, what kind of, what kind of agency do we actually have? Yeah, that's really I think that sums it up really well. Um I guess that there was 
I guess there's another thing, if I've, if I've understood this correctly as well, is that um, capitalism, as well as kind of uh, mediating and like categorizing, I guess, our desires, that it then um, profits from our, so, and the word comes up so many times, so we might have to unpack it, jouissance. So, um, which on a very plain reading of that is enjoyment, but it's more than that, isn't it? It's, it, it's, it's uh, our, it's a kind of like an overwhelm, a kind of a fraught kind of mm-hmm. thing, I guess. So, and mm-hmm. it's so, so for a good example of this, dear listener, is, you know, um, and you talk about this in the book, is that, so we, uh, it, so capitalism uh, are, makes money from, when you go on social media, uh, it makes money from uh, you arguing with people. So the thing that really drives clicks and attention in the, what again, talks about this on a previous podcast, dear listeners, so you should know about this, the attention economy, is that is antagonism. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you post a really uh, cringe or really, what's called cringe if you post like me if you're a regular cringe poster and you post something which is kind of like useful or helpful that doesn't get any hits but if you say oh this is shit it gets a lot of hits and what's making money out of that capitalism so uh, so it is creating our desires and harvesting our desires and we're within it we as individuals are within that realm now then so let's talk about Lacan so Lacan was uh it is um uh somebody who wanted to go back to the teachings of Freud with some like linguistics thrown in it just doesn't have to be like a complex kind of thing about who Lacan was but he wasn't just like someone advocating therapy or work on self he was somebody who was advocating this kind of philosophical socio-cultural political kind of uh connection to the unconscious wasn't he can you tell mm-hmm. us why Lacan and why you're, I guess, bringing a Lacanian analysis? Lacan is is, is really um, sort of sort of a key uh, part of this whole sort of kind of French intellectual scene of of you know sort of the the fifties, sixties, um, and, and and so on. Um, and I mean, he 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 has been kind of very uh, you know fashionable or, or kind of kind of radical. Mm. For some time, in how he kind of um, developed psychoanalysis, even though he, as you said, he was kind of saying he's he's going back to Freud, and he he kind of has various criticisms of other um, kind of schools within psychoanalysis. Something we, we don't need to go into here. Um, he also really really developed psychoanalysis. So mm-hmm. so so um, I think this sort of going back to Freud is you know that's really debated by. By Lacanians and mm-hmm. and his what what makes him so useful for for or one of the uh, reasons that makes him useful for us is that he really foregrounds the le- the, the the role that language plays in mm-hmm. you know our lives as, as human beings and he then ha- he draws on linguistics and and, and stuff like that uh, um, maybe that sort of um, goes a bit too far if we sort of go into into his whole theory of language but mm. you know in language there's always there's always a particular relationship between you know what i'm saying or what i'm writing about what i'm referring to and what i'm really trying to say mm. you know we, we we have words for particular objects and we all agree on on those words you know they, they sort of denote 
you know, the tree is a tree and we can sort of all agree on that uh, and so on. But there is always this, this gap or there is always this rupture, um, this contradiction between kind of what I'm describing, what I'm trying to say, and that also, um, you know, we are born into a world. We are sort of born into a kind of language system which is really important for, for, for Lacan because that kind of means, you know, language always sort of sort of speaks itself in a way. You know, we are kind of born to the system of we learn, you know, how to how to talk as, as infants and, and stuff like that. But but um, this whole kind of system, you know, what he calls the symbolic order, mm. um, which kind of means language but it also goes beyond language it kind of he means by that you know kind of social the whole kind of social system norms mm. beliefs uh, um, things like that mm. that's really shaped by language of course and language is always kind of um, it has some sort of power over us it kind of determines us in a, in a way that is that leads to lots of it leads to lots of conflict and and kind of kind of contradiction uh, uh, and that's really that's one sort of sort of key aspect uh, uh, of, of of his thinking. Yeah, and um, I think his innovation regarding the theory of discourses it plays mm -hmm. a very in our book, obviously. Um, yes, as as Jacob mentioned, his foregrounding of, of linguistics as uh, you know as a base, one of the bases of, of psychoanalysis is is really uh, relevant today because in Digital culture, obviously, is everything is about about science, about about codes, about language, and just you know, trying to get people, uh, reduce people into data. You know, just yeah. to data be representative of ourselves. That's very something that we feel can be uh, very well interrogated by mm -hmm. Lacanian theory, because then you get the question like how 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 is the dynamics between between the the, the, the subject and what represents, what claims to represent the subject, right? Mm. What kinds of, uh, what, are, what are the dynamics there and who gets to speak for the subject? Who gets to, uh, and how does that make, make subjects feel? How, how, what about the inadequacy? What about the, um, you know, the gap that we feel between the, the things that claim to represent us? Like for example, our data or our photographs online and how do we see that, that part of us? Mm. And what kind of desires do that, uh, you know, can do, do that, uh, do those kinds of dynamics can, you know, make us, make us yeah. uh, instant in ourselves, you know? So I think, I think that's why, that's why Lacanian theory we feel is very, uh, is very important. And also um, one of the, one of the other things that I personally really like about, about Lacanian theory is that, you know, a lot of people say that a lot of people like to mock psychoanalysis for being not scientific. And that's true. That's very true because in in Lacan you have uh, you have clear you have a clear differentiation between what is the scientific method, like you know the the kinds of discourses that science proclaims to do, and psychoanalysis is not that. So uh, there's this 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 um, affirming of of these critical analysis without without being scientific itself, and I think that's very important today because science is is often you know, the production of objective knowledge through data, that's uh, an integral part of uh, Silicon Valley ideology, like, like mm -hmm. capitalism, right? And to be able to 
to be able to develop a critical stance that distances ourselves from from that, but not, you know, just be as rigorous as um, as those kinds of kinds of ideology. We feel that it could be quite a very valuable tool in in, in analysis. Yeah, um, mm. it's so interesting. But anyway, but I really would like to talk about. Um, the discourses and also specifically the fifth discourse. Maybe we, so, so I mean, we don't need to go into all the other discourses, but maybe before we explain the fifth discourse, yeah. very briefly, we, you know, um, discourses for Lacan, and, and this is a really, really kind of key part of his thinking as well, which actually doesn't, isn't, isn't used that often in sort of, sort of um, cultural analysis. Mm. Uh, people tend to, disregard that a little bit, maybe because it's so challenging. Uh, uh, but this idea of the discourse for him is essentially um, kind of describes a particular way of experiencing reality, right? Mm. So it's a particular mode of how subjects experience reality that is also kind of historically um, you know, developed or has a historical sort of element to it. So in mm. a way, the some of the discourses that he talks about are, are all kind of, kind of sort, of, sort of historicizing them um, mm. a little bit. Um, and this is also really unique about his, his way of thinking, uh, which is very different from other psychoanalysts that he actually is interested in the social or in, in, in kind of... Um, you know, wider kind of social questions. Uh, uh, and that makes him so, so useful as well for, for kind of, kind of, um, sort of our, our questions. But maybe Bonnie can uh, uh, jump into the fifth discourse, which you can explain much better okay. than I can. So I guess, okay, so um, I think maybe just, just, just very briefly about, about what this, you know, exploring a bit more and what discourses mean. So there are basically four elements in a discourse, which is uh, the subject, uh, which is, you know, the, the barred subject, the lacking subject, which essentially means uh, individual, vulnerable individuals, such as, such as we can, we can, I think mm. we can say. That. And then there's a vulnerable individual, and then there's the uh, master signifier, which basically means that, you know, uh, it can be the nation state, it can be God, it can be whoever you can, you can take as, as a master. It could be like the father figure, you know, there's that. The king, and then, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, the the yeah. Uh, and then there's the, there's knowledge, which is basically, you know, how you should understand like the kinds of, uh, the, how, how you should view the world according to according to the, those other elements according to the to the king the monarch the, the the master and so on and then the 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 fourth element is the object cause of desire the the objectivity uh, right uh, which is basically you know not the object that you desire but why you desire it because you right. you feel that you lack something you feel that you are uh, you know you're vulnerable and then there's something in the other that you need that you need to grasp or you need to attain. So basically, those those four uh, those four elements, without getting too deep into them, uh, they have different arrangements within mm -hmm. our our um, uh, within within the discourses, the con un uh, conscious and unconscious, and so on. So basically, the uh, the fifth discourse, um, the the discourse of capitalism, is very close to the to the master's discourse, which is the the first discourse, the, the discourse of the of 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 the king or of the master, uh, like that, right? But the difference is that, okay, the, the similarity is that they both 
produce claim to produce objective knowledge, mm -hmm. and they both uh, produce a certain kind of uh, excess of the objective knowledge, which is you know the the object of the desire and so on. Because you know uh, there are things that cannot be cannot be said, cannot be subsumed to 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 knowledge. Mm -hmm. But um, the difference is that while in the discourse of the master, we have a clear master figure, like a clear king that we worship, a clear uh, yeah, nation state or a clear national ideology, a clear God or religion or whatever, that we should live our lives and produce knowledge through that, through, through that kind of entity so that we follow those kinds of very specific rules, right? But in, in capitalism, while we still have the, the knowledge and, and all of that, that position is flipped. It's no longer that we, you know, it's no longer that we follow certain very specific rules, but we foreground ourselves, we foreground our individuality, we foreground our uh, our vulnerability as individuals. Like you know, express yourself and, and all of that. Like we celebrate these kinds of individually uh, individuality. So in capitalism, that is uh, that is reversed. That is that is flipped because right now we have um, we have the master in our unconscious and we call that the database right mm -hmm. so here we have we have all of these all of these things that we foreground our individuality we foreground our um you know expressing ourselves and you know celebrating celebrating this individuality but then we kind of we kind of um hide the things beneath that animating that which is the 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 algorithms the data that we have like expressing ourselves through certain platforms which require us to actually play with the algorithms of these platforms, right? And we don't, we don't, a lot of us don't, don't realize that these actually dictate how we, how we see the world, that the knowledge that we get, the algorithms, you know, it, it kind of, it kind of designs how we interact with other people, designs, curates the content that, that we consume and who we get to speak to. So in that, in that kind of way, it's, it's, it's inverted, right? So in the past, again, in, in times in times of the of the master discourse, we needed to repress our vulnerability. We needed to repress our individuality and, and ourselves because we needed to, you know, we needed to speak about knowledge. We needed to grasp knowledge through the master, through through God, through the nation uh, nation state ideology, through the king, and all of these things, right? So we're not supposed to be celebrating our in our individuality, but we're supposed to follow those kinds of rules. Mm. But now. Um, is the we still we still we still talk about about objective knowledge, but at the same time we foreground our our individuality. We foreground the subject, and that's uh, that's that's possible because there's this flip. There's this thing where where we feel like we don't we don't have a master anymore, but then we still get to speak about objective knowledge. There there's this certain kind of uh, certain kind of short circuiting there between. Uh, the subjective and the and the and the objective, right? Mm. And there lies the algorithms to actually, you know, kind of domesticate, kind of like uniform, uh, make make things more, you know, promote more uniformity regarding regarding that. So that's that's what the discourse of discourse of capitalism means for for Lacan, which we feel that is a very you know very very pertinent point. Is mm. uh, discovered it even before uh, the the times of social media uh, that's why it's called the discourse of capitalism not of social media but yeah yeah that kind of uh, that kind of flip we feel that it's very 
uh, useful as a critical analysis. Yeah, I think it's it, it does it it seems incredibly modern, doesn't it? And it is he and um, I don't know how much I've meant. I, I think I've mentioned this on 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 a recent podcast with uh, when I was talking with uh, dear listener when I was talking with Rebecca Saunders. We were talking about kind of post-Fordism and post-capitalism, but this kind of um, really talks about that how how the individual is now kind of at the centre of is posted at the centre of this. But yeah, the there are these, um, but the the unconscious drives of that are grounded mm-hmm. in um, are, are, are grounded in what used to be the master signifier. But also, mm-hmm. I guess just to go to, again, I like connecting dots between different podcasts. So when we had Jacob on before, Jacob, you, we were talking about uh, on our previous podcast when we were talking about online misogyny. We're talking about the the free core and the uh, the um, the what what men online are doing in in the in the in the manosphere is to try to go back. We could say would want to say that they were also wanting to go back to a time of the master signifier of the the powerful um, being control the the king the mm-hmm. religion the 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 strong the strong figure in, in uh, uh, discourse. Absolutely, absolutely. And we actually um, talk about the manosphere in the book as well a little bit as, as a sort of as an example and, and, and incels, for example, that they um, are one you know, particular extreme example of wanting to kind of reassert that um, master signifier of, 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 you know, wanting to have control over um, essentially what you know, uh, their reality means for them um, in, 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 you know, kind of kind of um, shaping women in a particular way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So <clears throat> let's talk about conspiracy. So um, there are, so again, we've talked about this previously, but, you know, so there, there are a lot of conspiracy uh, theories, a lot of conspiracies, um, which also have effects of being incredibly harmful uh, for our both online and offline lives, uh, they uh, they create uh, and are often grounded in uh, racism, transphobia, sec- uh, sexism, misogyny, um, hatred of minority uh, groups, and that is, that we see that in culture war. But we also, which is very, which is online, but will that also translates into offline as well? But also. Um, we see it increasingly being, uh, I guess, like weaponized by uh, by governments and state actors and things. And so often, the often often we would say about conspiracy theorists, well, if only they knew that all of the things that they're kind of complaining about are actually the fault of capitalism. And if only if only we could kind of bring them around to our way of thinking, then they might we might be able to kind of I don't know turn them into leftists or bring them around to kind of uh, to our point of view. But you. But you make the point that is very much not the case, don't you, in the book, and that this is very much actually part of capitalism. Could you explain that? Because I think this is really key part of your book as well. Um, yeah, in the book, we wrote that conspiracy thinking is actually the mirror image of capitalism. Hmm. I mean, this this gets this gets a bit uh, complicated without all uh, without all the diagrams of the discourses to to explain. But uh, um, the thing that that we that I think that I think will be clearer is once we realize how all of these all of these you know because obviously their their conspiracy thinking is has always been based on certain things that are uh quote unquote true right Mm. which means 
you know, there are there are people uh, gathering our data. There are mm -hmm. people doing things with our private and personal data uh, for their own gains. Uh, there are people with uh, so much power that they can uh, design how we desire. So all of that is true, right? Mm. It's only that it's not certain groups of people, but that's the core feature of capitalism, right? So here we have we have like a kind of a kind of like marriage of sorts between capitalism and conspiracy, because within capitalism we keep trying to uh, feed the feed the market, feed the database with more and more data, right? Because you know uh, the fantasy in capitalism today is essentially that if only the market knows me better, then it could serve my needs better, right? Mm. That's why we just we just keep feeding it more data. If if people, if only you know we we make more technology that's more aware of all the all the surroundings, gets get more data points and stuff like that. So that's that's the that's the underlying fantasy, right? Mm. But then at the same time, the the things that we produce, the 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 knowledge that we produce out of this, always leaves something more to be desired, right? There's there's the whole thing about about um, who gets to who gets to produce this kind of knowledge and who gets to um, you know be represented in certain kinds of uh, certain kinds of uh, technology who gets to access it first and, and stuff like that so there is this kind of uh, imbalance right mm -hmm. and it's it's very you know you can you can see it you could sense it even if you don't understand the nature of it you could actually you could actually sense this and this this gap between the abundance of data and the lack of ability for you know for things to actually work out there's this it's just it's just so wasteful why are we being why are we being uh, mined for our data on over and over again but mm. things aren't exactly improving right so of course there there will be conspiracy theories uh, that that attempt to 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 answer those but the 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 interesting part is that these conspiracy theories they do not exactly uh, they don't. Ex they do not exactly aim to answer questions as much as they aim to produce more questions, right? So mm -hmm. they they kind of they kind of function, they kind of function in in this kind of uh, doubting machine that's just not really not exactly doubting machine, but you know, a machine to actually produce the excess towards uh, of of like uh, of the knowledge that's produced because it's, it's not it's not like the discourse of the university or like our mm -hmm. uh, the science scientific methods, so to speak. So it's not like, you know, you you want to actually find out the truth, but you claim to have the truth and you attempt to just find flaws in, in the current, uh, in the current um, way, in the current knowledge that we have about the world. And that's, that's what conspiracy thinking is. Hmm. And again, it just, it just ties right back into capitalism. And if you, you were mentioning before about, about the manosphere, which uh, Jacob wrote extensively about, it's essentially, you know, uh, reasserting one's position as the master is essentially driven by uh, market alienation, right? You want to align yourself with the power that the market now has. You want to grasp the power away from the market and into your own kind and into your own, uh, your own group, and that's you know where it gets fascist. But even even without even without that kind of desire, yeah, we feel that we feel that the the these these temptations of conspiracy thinking really gets at the heart of how wasteful and how ineffective all of these data gathering and how how unjust the power the power imbalance is. Mm. And all and so that's really interesting. 
Um, and speaking of the alt-right, uh, I guess if we could talk about, so I guess some of what you're talking about there also kind of alludes to um, the online cultures of uh, trolling and and lulls and irony that there is a, um, can you tell me about how um, the, the, how trolling, which fits in with, uh, which does conspiracy thinking, and uh, and and irony fits in with 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 this stuff too, uh, and and what effect that has, and and why it is still something which exists within capitalism, creating more capital. Mm-hmm. So I think I think this is where this is where the discussion of uh, jouissance comes mm-hmm. in. Yeah, you mentioned for it's it's enjoyment, but it's also mm-hmm. more than that. And the way I would put it is that. Um, Let's say if, if 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 you're in a relationship and then and then you're jealous, the jealousy itself is not joyful, but the fact that 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 you're jealous it creates this kind of sensation where you could feel more righteous than than the than the other person. Then you you have the right to be to to have all of this. It's it's kind of that kind of like uh, pain pleasure mm. duality and that kind of excess uh, that that kind of thing is 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 the is the jouissance. And I'm mentioning this because. There's a whole dynamics of that within trolling, right? And within mm-hmm. conspiracy theories. And it's not that, you know, again, it's, it's not about conspiracy thinking. It's not about trying to find out the truth. It's about having claimed that you have found out the truth so that you could feel superior to other people. Mm-hmm. And also uh, when you troll other people, the, the point is that it's definitely not to not to get them on your side or get them to, to know the truth or, or whatever, get them to change their mind. Definitely not that. The, the point of that is the, is the discomfort itself discomfort it, it might be it might even be discomforting to the troll you know but mm. you engage in that in that in that kind of behavior in order to in order to proliferate the, these these kinds of uh, these kinds of things uh, these kinds of emotions and the problem is that is that now those those kinds of actions are rewarded just just like just like irony and, and so on right? mm. I mean it's Okay, in, in some cases it, it might be funny, it, it might provide a laugh, but then uh, it gets harmful when it gets harmful. I mean, it, it gets harmful when it gets, you know, when there are people that are very, uh, that can be not only offended, but actually perpetuates harmful stereotypes and perpetuates harmful views on the world. And that's the point of, 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 of trolling, of irony, of, of these alt-right tactics, which is not to not to establish a certain truth, but to go on the offensive, like go, you know, to, to disrupt, to really uh, look superior, hmm. right? And, and, that... Yeah, and, and also that um, that those acts are witnessed by other people, you know, that's so important for, for, yeah. for the troll or for other, other yeah. as well, that, um, you know, trolling often it might seem to be about um, an exchange where, you know, two people are having some sort of uh, debate on, on Twitter or whatever and, and mm-hmm. someone is you know engaging in trolling or trying to troll the other person but trolling only works um, if other people are there to sort of witness the troll and mm-hmm. and we sort of make this argument that that's also the troll's desire you know in a way is to be witnessed by other people because the, what the troll is sort of doing is, um, they are creating their own um, symbolic order, or they're trying mm-hmm. to create their own sort of sort of symbolic universe, their own rules, 
Um, but that only works if it's witnessed by others who can val- who can sort of validate or you know laugh uh, 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 with you know the troll. And so, so they and so those other people see their like for their subjectivity. They can and and recognize that um, those norms and values in that person and that and so and and so that's. So they're so they're looking to the other to establish their subjectivity there. So, so it's yes, it's not... in a way, yeah, in a way, um, to, to, to sort of yeah. validate that. So, yeah. Further. Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not the target of the target of trolling. It's not. It's not the. It's not the actual audience. It's not the target of the actual communication. It's, it's the. It's the people seeing that, and especially in social media, there's there's engagement. There's actual metrics to do that. So mm. I think. I, a simple analogy to this act would be would be catcalling, right? Because because catcalling is not about it's not about the the the, the women being catcalled. Mm-hmm. It's about asserting your dominance so that you know as that's why it happens in groups most of the time. It's because or in public, it, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly in public or in groups. It's because you want to be seen doing the catcalling because you want to assert your dominance against against this this uh, this lesser gender or or whatever mm-hmm. it is that 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 you're mm-hmm. doing. So that exactly the logic of the troll mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah it's never about connection it's always about power and harm isn't it that's mm-hmm. that's yeah, that's what it is um and it's also i mean we we kind of um you know we, we sort of talk about that in the book as well it's mm-hmm. of course this is these are kind of you know tactics from the alt-right or from you know they come from 4chan you know there is a history to that but we do you know find this also happening in in, in, in sort of left groups and on the left as well mm-hmm. um, you know that they're, they're certainly not immune from 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 that either um, I think we, we are sort of quite keen to unpack that as well yeah yeah definitely perhaps we could um, towards the end of the show we we might be able to kind of um, come up with some uh, some strategies for uh, for what next and what, what the left could do better um, 